Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your god. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rollin' Bones with Ryan Howard, your source for the best in RPG interviews. I am your host and dungeon master, as well as the king of the boneheads, Ryan Howard, and today I had the distinct honor and privilege of talking with one of the most supportive people in the entire history of Rollin' Bones, that being the phenomenal... Levi Combs, and we are talking today about his newest Kickstarter campaign, Escape from Skullcano Island. You guys have already heard me talk this thing up. It looks amazing and phenomenal, and we talk all about the uh, the artwork and you know what you can expect from this versus you know some of his other stuff that he's done, and you know all, all kinds of cool stuff. I, I love talking to Levi. Levi's fantastic. And so I, I hope you guys like what you hear and uh, you know decide to, to back this campaign because it's, it's really great. And as of right now, we only have nine days to go, ladies and gentlemen. So nine, nine days to jump on this Kickstarter campaign. You won't regret it. The art looks fantastic. The guy who makes it is fantastic. I am so unbelievably excited for this book. It's it's going to be something special. I, I know it. So, yeah, with, with that out of the way, uh, just a couple quick things before we uh, jump into the interview with Levi. Uh, of course, as you guys heard last week, I was able to record an episode of James Bond Radio recently uh, where I ran them through a quick session of the James Bond RPG. It was a lot of fun. We recorded that this morning as I'm recording this. You know, the, the guys were... Tons of fun. None of them had played RPGs ever. This was their first time. So, you know, to, to give someone that experience is something that I really love. They all had been kind of curious about, you know, what what's this, this role-playing game stuff. And, you know, we're all Bond fans. So being able to do that for them and, you know, ha- have them have as much fun as they had on the show, that, that was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad I got to do that. And that will be coming out soon. I'll let you guys know when that's up. One other thing that I wanted to announce real quick, uh, next week we are officially going live with uh, Roland Bones with Ryan Howard. Uh, what that means is that I will be doing a live show for now, Mondays at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, and that will be on Twitch. And so I will be setting all of that up. We're going live on Monday. Our first guest for that is going to end up being uh, my old DM, Muhammad. We've already run some tests. Everything looks good. So we are going to go ahead and, and do that this coming 
Monday, Memorial Day. I hope you guys are able to make it. For those of you who, you know, consume this in audio form, the uh, the recordings are going to go up on YouTube. I'm going to go ahead and you know, record the episodes and, and make sure that the, the replays go up on YouTube, and that I'm also going to release the audio in podcast form to continue to allow those of you who listen to this on the go or in the car to, you know, continue doing that. So, let's jump right into today's interview with Levi Combs, talking about Escape from Skullcano Island. I hope you guys enjoy this one. I know I did, and I'll see you on the other side. All right, Boneheads, uh, please welcome back to the show a guy who's been extremely supportive of pretty much everything we've done here uh, just over the, the year that I've been doing this podcast. Uh, he's got a new Kickstarter up and running. He's made some of the craziest uh, games that I've ever <laughs> read or experienced. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the founder of Planet X Games, Mr. Levi Combs. Hello, Levi. How you doing this evening? I'm good, man. Just uh, just getting by day by day. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, we we have to kick this thing off. I I know I told you this kind of in in confidence, and I've talked about this on the podcast, but I just have to tell I have to tell you this while I have you on the show. Um, first of all, Howling Crater. Uh, you know the the last kind of module that you did is one awesome. I love it. Oh, I've you. considered breaking it out on some of my players. I've considered breaking it out in my Dark Sun game, which I know would be completely ridiculous, but still kind of fun. <laughs> but I just have to say, I have only physically gagged once <laughs> while reading something. And it was while reading Howling Crater. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll take that as a uh, as a compliment, considering the source material. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious, uh, what, what what part was it? It was the description of uh, like Mama. That oh. that was what put me over the edge. I was just like, uh, no, uh, uh-uh, yeah. uh. You know, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you, man, on on, on that particular description, <clears throat> that whole write up actually of uh, of her, there was a. Uh, I actually reached out to a, to another friend of mine, a writer, ski, actually Skeeter Green, who's been on your show. Yeah, and I said, I said, hey man, am I just pushing this too far? <laughs> did, <laughs> did I uh, did I just push this too far? I mean, I, I need somebody else to just put eyes on this and, and kind of mm-hmm. give me their opinion. And uh, to his credit, man, he was like, no way. He's just like, he says, look, look, man, go for it. This is your vision. Just shoot for the stars, man. And uh, you know, the crazier the better. And that's mm-hmm. that's how we ended up with um, that particular, particularly vile. Uh, description. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there, I mean, there's something about like body horror, just in general, that that's very off-putting to me. But typically, like descriptions of it in text doesn't bother me. But something about the the words that you used and the the <laughs> overall picture that you painted in that in that text, uh, I gagged. I literally gagged, <laughs> and I went. Now I know why he packaged barf bags with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know that's getting a visceral reaction like that that's not really my go-to thing that's not something that i'm i'm you know in every module that i do or product or whatever i'm not trying to get that but with this very specific thing in in this module this this backwoods hillbilly 
uh, cannibalistic, demented family, you know, living in this irradiated crater and who are hunting the, the player characters. Um, it just seemed to fit, you know, and if you've ever seen movies like uh, The Hills Have Eyes or Wrong Turn or any of those uh, kind of uh, um, hillbilly exploitation uh, horror movies, that's exactly where, where all that comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you captured that feeling beautifully. It, if you guys have not picked up Howling Crater yet, uh, do yourself a favor. If you're into that kind of thing, you can do no better than than Howling Crater. It's <laughs> That's very very kind of you to say, man. Thank you. Yeah, it, like if if you know that your players are going to get a kick out of stuff like that, or you just want to completely throw them off from kind of the the stock high fantasy D and D type stuff, uh, throw in some howling crater. Don't tell them you're doing it. I feel like that. This is one of those modules kind of like, uh, there, there's a GURPS module for their cyberpunk game called Cthulhu punk, where you basically don't tell your players that you're about to run into Lovecraftian monstrosities. You just kind of spring it on them. And I feel like Howling Crater is in that same vein where you you have to surprise your players with it. You can't you can't show up with the book out in front and be like, "All right, what are we doing today?" Where they can see the the cover with the UFO on it. You gotta you gotta hide that in your notes. Stick it like stick it in your uh, your PHB like you're back in back in high school trying to hide your Sports Illustrateds. <laughs> yeah, man, um, and that that module really does benefit, I think, from the players not knowing ahead of time, uh, not so much with the, with the stuff up front with the, with the hillbillies and the, the cannibals and the, mm-hmm. all the, the crazy mutated irradiated stuff. But once you get actually into the adventure and you, you get into the crash ship because right away you don't really know it's a crash ship unless you just uh, mm-hmm. kind of bury the lead and, t- and tell them in advance. Um, it has kind of a, uh, a, a barrier peak sort of vibe where, you know, it's a, it's in metal walls and, you know, a, a, a clever player will figure it out pretty quickly. But, um, you know, it, it goes from uh, just this is your typical kind of horror fantasy to all of a sudden you're deep into like the sci fi zone. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it benefits from not telling them in, in advance what's happening. Absolutely. Well, we, of course, have a new game uh, that, that you're. You're kickstarting here. The campaign is got 14 days to go. We're already fully funded, and of course, this is I've I've talked about it on the show already. I've already backed it myself. This is Escape from Skullcano Island. Yes, sir. And this one, uh, this is for some of you who maybe are more into kind of the uh, the kaiju side of uh, Grindhouse Cinema. Because uh, right from the, the get-go, you've got a two-headed gorilla fighting what looks like a purple worm. So I, I just got to ask, and we've talked about this a little bit on the first episode that we did together, but what what was your inspiration for this particular uh, adventure? Uh, for this adventure, uh, the, so let me backtrack a minute. Um, so all the adventures that I've done so far uh, are kind of... The, what I, what I call my grindhouse adventures. Yep. And they're, just, they're, they're coming from a certain uh, feel, a certain vibe, and really a certain a- aesthetic as far as, uh, as gaming goes. That's going to be kind of uh, where we're playing up to, like, the B-movie and the grindhouse cinema style, uh, quick and dirty, and kind of feels low-budget and uh, exploitative uh, in, in, a, in a certain sense. 
you know, for for instance, with uh, Jungle Tomb and the Mummy Bride, which was the first one, um, it was very exploitative. It was the you know cannibal exploitation movies like Cannibal Holocaust and um, Cannibal Ferox, all these um, you know cannibal and jungle movies. These uh, um, world that you know land that time forgot, uh, lost world kind of kind of uh, settings and locales. And we just build on that, and then with of course um, Howling Crater, it was the uh, you know the hills have eyes and the um, the, like I said, the hill, hillbilly exploitation, um, stuff, but I, I meshed that with, uh, kind of a 50s sci-fi vibe. Now with this one, uh, it's very much a heroic fantasy, uh, adventure, uh, right up front, you know, um, all the things that you would expect from a high level, um, for, for five, it would be tier four, tier three, um, uh, high level adventure, uh, heroic fantasy, but, um, it has a very Isle of Dread kind of feel to it uh, mm-hmm. right off the bat. And then there are the presence of, of the kaiju, these monstrous titans, these these giant creatures that roam the land. Now, obviously, you know, um, when I say that, you, know, you, you think of Godzilla, you think of uh, King Kong, uh, Gamera, you know, all these famous, uh, you know, Toho cinema um you know, kaiju, these giant monsters, but, you know, obviously none of those appear in the, in, in the, in the source material. Um, but there is definitely a, an homage to those, to those giant monsters here. So if you look on the cover, you see the, the giant two headed ape, he's scarred and one eyes closed. And, you know, he's like this giant, crazy, monstrous brute. Uh, you know, he's facing off against this, uh, you know, 150 foot gigantic, you know, you know, purple worm looking creature with, uh, you know, teeth like harpoons, you know, and that, that, that right there, it, it sets the feel, it, it, uh, it sets the stage, uh, for that entire book. Gotcha. Gotcha. And we have another fantastic quote here. Uh, if you remember our Howling Crater episode, uh, I believe the quote was if uh, what was it if the hills had eyes and Plan Nine had a baby and it let him do crack in the spaceship was that was that the gist of it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, this time uh, one of your friends who who's kind of looked over this this manuscript has said if I, the Isle of Dread dropped LSD with the island from Lost while watching old giant monster movies and listening to Black Sabbath, this is the adventure that you'd get. That is a direct quote from somebody who has been on your show that can can that must go unnamed. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the vibe. Um, when he said that, I thought, oh man, that that really <laughs> that really hits the nail on the head. That covers a lot of ground. But yeah, that that that's it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So so what's kind of the 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 big hook? The the main thing that that drives the the players to end up on this particular island well um these high level adventures um again this is for 5e if, if you play that it's a it's a tier three to tier four adventure uh really more tier four uh, upper high you know 17th to 20th level um but you can you can dull it down a little bit to to you know so that um tier three characters can can have a chance um so high level adventures are, are difficult to write. And this one took, I want to say about as long as it took the, uh, took me to write the other two uh, together. Um, so it took a really long time to write this one and to play test it and to get it right and to get the tone right. Um, 
but having said that, they uh, the, the the you know the module starts off. There are uh, um, you know red skies and you know signs of uh, of change and, and danger and uh, harbingers of the apocalypse are stalking the land and you know things are getting strange. There's weird weather and odd occurrences. You know monsters are coming out of the sea and you know there's all this weird stuff is happening. You know without giving away too much. Um, it's just, things are, things are, it starts out, things are very strange. Um, and it, it, the, the plot evolves to where very quickly the characters find themselves, uh, on their way to Skullcano Island, which is, you know, the, uh, the, the center of all this, where, where all this madness seems to be emanating from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, much like if you watch The Walking Dead, you know, like when you watch The Walking Dead, you realize it's, the, the zombies really aren't, they're really not the enemy. Okay, it's the it's the people. There's there's other things that that, that are the enemy. It's kind of the same with Skullcano Island. The kaiju, they're not really the enemy. They're just these cr- giant creatures who live on this island. There's something else going on in the island. There's there's other things that are happening that are um, causing them to uh, become irritated or driving them them forward to 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 destroy uh, civilization. So um, again, without giving away too much, there's 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 a lot going on. Um, but there's the high level challenges are there, um, and some of the stuff, man, um, it's just some of the craziest stuff I've ever written. I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Even if you just go on this Kickstarter page, there's a lot of great art here. Um, you know, obviously there's there's the two headed ape. You know, you've got the the giant worm thing. Uh, there there is a uh, there's a dinosaur with a laser eye. That's true. That's and- true. And a lot of all of this is very beautifully illustrated. You know, you've got your your typical uh, you know Planet X collaborators here. Ed Bickford is doing some of the art here. But one guy who I really wanted to call attention to with some of this art, especially the the stuff that you have up on uh, the the page right now, uh, the work that Adrian Landeros is doing for for this particular RPG is just outstanding yeah he is uh that all right so just a little background on adrian um he's he's a young kid he's uh like 20 years old mm-hmm. and he uh he's actually a, a prodigy of uh, our friend casey christopherson he was uh, yeah. in his art art class as a as a as a student and now you know as, as, a, as a man he's uh gone on full with you know companies like frog god games necromancer games he's, he does mm-hmm. a ton of art for me and some other folks, um, and he is the epitome of professionalism. Um, I feel like I can give him a um, just a, a broad concept and say, "Hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for." Not a super detailed layout, not a not a breakdown, not a, not a not a point by point exactly what I want. And he'll take what I give to him, and he'll turn it around and make it ten times better. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a truly talented uh, illustrator um, and just a really gifted artist. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know kind of like what medium he works in? Is he a digital guy? So he's done a couple different things for me. Um, he's done some um, just you know actual uh, you know sketch work, mm-hmm. and then he's done some painting. Um, and he did a, a really cool brush technique for um, the cover of Howling Crater. Um, and he, but he, but he does punch up some of the stuff with with, uh, with digital, I believe. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Because yeah, I mean these these covers here they're um, they're they're very evocative, uh, especially you know this this first image. You know, once you get past the the logo, the just it it hits you right in the face. Exactly what you're you're gonna get here. You've got a giant smoking skull on top of a mountain in the background in the foreground you've got a very tiny little adventurer as he's <laughs> kind of looking on you know this fight between the two-headed ape and the and the worm and i really just have to hand it to him this is some like this is some you know caldwell elmore type stuff here this it's it's that good in my opinion no, he uh, again. He's he's fantastic, and he's one of those guys. You know, some artists you, you'll you'll give a a sketch list to, and you know you won't talk to him for three months, four months. Yep. They they'll, they'll never communicate with you anything. Not Adrian. He's the kind of guy who you give him. I, here's a, a sketch list with um, six pieces or six illustrations on it, mm-hmm. and you know three weeks later you have them all, and they all look like that. <laughs> you know and. <laughs> He's, uh, he'll send you sketches along the way. Hey, what do you think about this? Should I do this? But not one of those people who are who's just battening down your door the entire time uh, with questions. He's he's a professional, so you know he he puts his his own twist on everything, and he does the work, and he doesn't bother you constantly about it either. He just but when you get it, the most important thing is when you get it back. Not only does it look fantastic, but it's so much better than anything that I, I that I ever. Uh, had envisioned in my own head. I, I thought it would be one way, and then boom, he turns it in, and I'm like, man, you do it every time. How do you, <laughs> how do, how do, you do it, man? You just keep turning in gold, and uh, you know, it, it, what's going what's going to happen? I, I would hire this 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 uh, this guy for forever. Um, mm-hmm. If it was up to me, I would I would have him do you know these illustrations. He, he and, and most of the other guys that that work for me as well. I shouldn't even say work, but they collaborate with me. Um, mm-hmm. um, these guys, man, they're, they're they're all great. Um, I've been extremely lucky to, uh, to to get these guys um, that they have time, and you know, just the you know the interest, <laughs> the same things that I do, where we can all uh, all work together. Yeah, and and you know, I mentioned him already. Ed Bickford is back for this one. He's got some cool, kind of old school looking uh, images here. There's a really great one of the the mountain with the skull on it. Oh, but yeah. another. Another series of pieces here I wanted to draw attention to. Uh, ha- have you worked with uh, John Gulo before, or is this kind of the first time that you, you've worked with him? No, um, this is the first time that I've worked with him. He, uh, mm-hmm. I found him on Instagram. I was, I was following his, his page. I thought, man, this guy has such a dynamic style. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just reach out to him and just see if you know he's available or he's even interested in this stuff. Um, and it just turns out that he had a, a very brief window. Um, you know, he, he does, you know, he does, he does a ton mm-hmm. of illustrations and he does a lot of t-shirts and posters and stuff. Uh, he had a real brief uh, window and I said, listen, um, I'll send you over the, you know, the, the text tonight. You take a look at it. Tell me if you're interested. And it just happened to work out. So mm-hmm. we're extremely happy with what, uh, with what came back from John. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm looking at these, uh, these five images here that are, that are on the Kickstarter page. It, some of these look like they were done like by Bernie Wrightson. They, yeah. They've got that much like crazy, crazy spooky detail in them. Yeah, he definitely has that uh, that highly detailed style, that Art Adams, um, Bernie Wrightson style for <laughs> sure. And he can draw a monster. If you if you go to his um, his um, Instagram page, I believe is let me see if I can remember is Slime and Grime sixty nine. <laughs> I think is the name <laughs> of his 
of his uh, his Instagram page. Go check that out because um, it's just. I mean, it, the feed, the feed is great. You just go down, and you're like, oh man, this guy, he's got some you know real talent. Hmm. He's he's great. Gotcha, absolutely. And you know, kind of, kind of moving away from the the art here for a second. You know, this is your uh, this is your fourth Kickstarter campaign now. Is it is that correct? Uh, yes, sir. Gotcha. Gotcha, because you've done uh, Jungle Tomb, Howling Crater, and then you did the Phylactery, which we'll be discussing uh, here in just a little bit, because uh, that's uh, shipped out now. That's that's the first project of yours that I've uh, been able to back. Uh, but you know, once once that comes in, because it's it's a zine, and you have to do you have to do a physical review of a zine. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, and that and that was a ton of fun to write. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've talked about this on other podcasts, but I'll summarize it here real quick. Um, I had always wanted to do a zine. Um, I was in kind of in the <clears throat> the minor leagues of the zine scene back in you know when I was a uh, um, when I was just a, a teenager. Um, I would answer all these uh, these ads in the back of like Fangoria and Star Starlog and all these old uh, science fiction horror magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally you'd see like a, like a, a um, like a, a zine. I don't know what you would call it today, but like, um, you know, you would, uh, you would send your stuff off and then it would get photocopied and circulated out to a bunch of other people. My stuff mm-hmm. wasn't any good, but I got a lot of cool stuff back from a lot of people across the, you know, across the country. Um, but I was really, really into that. And then that kind of compounded with my, uh, interest in, Dave Hargrave's Arduin series, which are a kind of um, really some of the first examples of third-party stuff for Dungeons and Dragons. This goes back to the seventies. Mm-hmm. He uh, he had a series of uh, I don't know, six or seven of these uh, little brown books that were just just jam-packed with uh, with crazy information and just just neat plot hooks and all these cool little crunchy bits and they were fantastic. I mean, still to this day, I love reading, I, you know, paging through them some like 40 years later. Um, love paging through those things, man. Cause they're, they're just fantastic. Um, but those kind of two, two things kind of came together and, uh, that's, that's where the phylactery comes from. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm, I'm excited to, to take a look at that and, you know, see, see what it looks like in, in the flesh and, and do a, a full review here. But, you know, now we're on to this uh, particular Kickstarter. And, and the reason I bring up that, that history there, um, Kickstarter, as I've discovered, you know, from talking to different people who've been on the show and used the platform, your mileage really does vary when it comes to Kickstarter campaigns. And so I just have to ask you, you know, up to this point, what have you learned about doing a successful campaign, uh, specifically for the kind of content that, that you're putting out there? What, what has, what have your previous campaigns taught you about Kickstarter? Um, well, a lot. I mean, really, my entire uh, every every bit of I don't know training or whatever. Everything, all my experience comes from running stuff on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and then just dealing with customers on the back end, but. Um, I'd say the most important thing is that whatever you're trying to put out, that your voice needs to be authentic. Hmm. Um, you know, if you're faking it or you're just making something just for the money, um, people can tell they, hmm. you know, they can, they can spot that a mile away. And it, it, if it doesn't have that, that authenticity, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's not going to be as successful as, as it could be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever you put out, I, th- I think Jeff Tulanian, he said it best. Um, 
he said that you know that people who are backing a Kickstarter or, or people who become fans or you know are interested in your work they can they can smell a faker a mile away mm-hmm. you know so so any yeah. uh, just just be authentic and just you know put put your vision down and and you know swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing um you know having never run a campaign myself, one thing that I I think you you know you're doing well and and the best kickstarters that I've seen have have you know done this well is just being engaged with your backers. Um you know, we just finished up the uh the Deadlands the Weird West uh campaign. I say that like I was involved in it somehow. I just had Shannon the <laughs> podcast and, and backed the thing. I didn't have anything to Love do with Deadlands. that. Deadlands yeah, Love Deadlands is amazing. But you know, that campaign was very good and despite, you know, being overworked and having a ton of stuff to do, uh, you know, Clint and Jody were always very uh engaged with, with what people were asking for in the in the comments and you know, keeping things up to date like that. And I, I contrast that with another Kickstarter that I just got off of. And, you know, I, I'm super excited to to get the rewards of this thing. Uh, but I, I really do kind of have to put them on notice. IDW Games, um, with their, their Batman the Animated Series game that they just did, they've basically shut down as far as giving updates uh, as of April. And it's making a lot of people uh, a little bit antsy and a little bit nervous because they haven't closed down the backer kit yet and haven't given any updates on that. So, I mean, you know, one thing I I really do have to give you props for this. You know, I I feel like you're you're very engaged with, you know, what what people are saying in the comments and, you know, doing the updates and stuff like that. And so I, I really do have to give you props for that because that's super important with something like this. No, I, I completely agree. And to be honest, you owe it to your backers um, yeah. because without without them, <laughs> you, you don't have you have nothing. You have no mm-hmm. product. You have no project. You have you have nothing. It's just something that's sitting on your desk at home. Um, so, so it's it's the backers who those are the folks who who they bring your project to life. Um, so you know there. Uh, so you've had Daniel Fox in your show. Yep, absolutely. So one of the things I really really liked about what he did uh, with uh, Swihander was. He he continued to be he, he he listened to his backers and he continued as as the the uh, the money kept accumulating and accumulating he he uh, he kept improving his product mm-hmm. and that is a lesson I think that every anybody who runs a Kickstarter should learn they should take they should look at Daniel <laughs> and and do exactly that because um, he that's why it was beautiful it's a beautiful book. You know, it's a dynamic product. It's it's incredible. Um, so I think if more people took that model and mm-hmm. just just took that extra money and it just can, kept improving their product, whether that be better art or switching, you know, going up to a hardback or you know, just all the little details, um, I, I think that that there's a lesson to be learned uh, from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, Kickstarter. I just have to tell this story because it it's become kind of so so relevant to all that I've done on this podcast. I bring people on who have campaigns all the time. Have you ever heard of the card game Billionaire Banshee? No, I have not. It's it's one of those like party card games like Cards Against Humanity where you 
are given two cards to kind of formulate your answer. And the, the premise behind it is you're going on a blind date and you've got a good thing and a like a like a a good thing and a red flag. And you're basically trying to convince the player to, you know, go on the date despite this, uh, you know, the the red flag to make sure that the, the good thing outweighs the, the red flag or that sure. the red flag outweighs the good thing. And one of one time, uh, I don't remember what the positive was, but the negative was he has a Kickstarter campaign that he checks religiously and he obsesses <laughs> about it night and day. And my immediate reaction was, oh, so he has a Kickstarter campaign. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I, I think it sounds, sounds like you've uh, been talking to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> my poor, poor, long-suffering wife. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, anytime she has you, to hear you, yeah. Anytime you have something like this where, you know, you're putting yourself out there and you, you have a, a thing where – Basically, people have to accept you to to buy into this vision, like a Kickstarter campaign, or even in my case with a podcast. There's a certain type of person who checks this thing religiously, and I have to admit, I'm one of those people. <laughs> no, I, again, uh, my my poor wife has to listen to me talk about this all the time, especially during lockdown. Now, now that we're all quarantined, yeah, and I'm you know I'm just I'm looking at it I'm looking at it constantly. I'm answering messages. I'm talking to artists. I'm sending you know whatever. And she's like, "What are you doing over there?" I'm like, "My God, this guy wants to know whether or not we're going to go to hardback or not, man. I got I got to let him know, <laughs> you know. Hey, hey, did you see that we we got another backer? You know, and she, I, you know, to her credit, you know, she's wonderful and she she takes it all in stride. But um, I can only imagine how annoying <laughs> I am ninety five percent of the time when I'm talking about this thing. Yeah, and and just to to kind of you know reassure you on this campaign, I, I I backed this on the first day, and I believe in that first day, you know, with the with the overall goal of uh, one thousand dollars and stretch goals that I think went all the way up to like uh, six hundred sixty or uh, or sorry sixty six hundred. Uh, I think we actually hit that within a single day, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um... It, it funded in 15 minutes and then was at, I want to say 400, oh no, 450% after the first day. Uh, early morning of the second day, all the stretch goals were down and we were at over 600. So uh, I think now it's, uh, it, it's at uh, 85 or 850%, I think, mm-hmm. last time I looked. Yeah, gotcha. it's, it's doing it's doing very well, better than I, than I had even hoped. So um but this gives again gives me that leeway to to turn in a better product and mm-hmm. to um to improve things um, beyond what I what I'd hoped for. So this is all good news. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and without trying to get you to uh, to lock in any commitments here in in audio form, you know when it comes to improvements, uh, what what in general sort of things do you have in mind for you know how, making this uh, this package a little bit more complete and a little bit you know you know, matching kind of the, the money that's been raised so far. What, what kind of plans do you have in that regard? Um, well, I, so the, the guy that I do most of my modules with, um, uh, the cartographer, his name is uh, mm-hmm. Carl Sternberg from, he's from Sweden and he's done a gang of stuff, man. He's done some really, really cool stuff. He has a Patreon, uh, called mega dungeon. 
-hmm. He has done, I mean, he's done so many projects, Night East and uh, Mutants of Ix. Uh, he's just done a, a ton of, of, of RPG stuff. Um, but he has a really dynamic style of, and just a beautiful um, and, frankly, kind of a, a crazy style. Uh, but I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that more like kind of like an underground art kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, the kind of stuff that I, that I was seeing in, in Zions in you know, the, the 80s and, and early 90s. Um, but his his style so dynamic, so cool. Um, I hope to, and again, this is a thing that it'll all have to match up. I, I'm hoping to get him to draw extra maps. That'll mm -hmm. be definitely definitely be one thing. But he again, he is a very busy guy. He you know he has his own his you know all of his own stuff, and then he just kind of picks and chooses the projects that he wants. So um, if the stars align, then great. We'll, I'll, I'll get some extra work from him, hopefully. Um, but if not, then. Um, if it goes high enough, I, man, I would really like to see this thing in hardback, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, hardback, that's a, that's a, that's a high, high um, benchmark. You know, usually you've got to go 10,000 or more um, to hit that because you, it's not like you can just go and order, like, give, all right, give me 48 hardbacks. That's not how it works, you know, at least, at least not, uh, you know, not locally. Um, a lot of times you've got to, you know, when you order, you've got to order X amount, you know, and then that, that just drives the price up to a, you know, sometimes to a, you know, depending on your goals and, and, and what your funds are to a uh, unreachable goal. Um, now there's always doing your business overseas, but you know, um, it's a weird time right now. So mm -hmm. it might not be the best time to send all of our stuff overseas to, uh, you know, to get made for a third, you know, the, the third of the price it would take here. So, um, mm -hmm. That that could be an unreal, unrealistic goal, but it's definitely something that's already on the table. I, I've I've talked to our printer in uh, in Jonesboro um, about uh, about plans for that, and I should be getting some quotes back here any day. But um, you know, I'd really like to see it go hardback. It's just a matter of you know, let's see how high this thing gets. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for good news. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when it comes to you know the actual play of of this adventure um i i guess to kind of prep people for for their expectations if you could tell me how many character sheets should your players bring to the table when skullcano island has has been initiated um that so this is a sandbox adventure um mm -hmm. this is not a railroady by any any means again it, it, it's very evocative of isle of dread in that fashion mm -hmm. um where hey this is this is Skullcano Island. These are the yep. factions on Skullcano Island. These are the dangers. These are the lo locations. This is what's happening. This is kind of a, a brief timeline of, of what's going down. Mm -hmm. um, you can you know, listen if you want to go straight to the source and you know duke it out with uh, the <laughs> you know the, the bad guys right away. Man, go for it. Um, I don't know how that's going to work for you. I don't know how that's gonna that's gonna work out. It may work out great. I don't know. It depends on your on your play style. Depends on your DM. Mm -hmm. But if you want to take maybe take a little bit of time, investigate the island, look for some clues, uh, maybe uncover a few things, um, get some strengths, you know, ease into some some of the uh, uh, exploits and weaknesses, then your your chances are definitely going to be better. Um, it's not mm -hmm. a I wouldn't say it's a party killer by by any means. But if you're yeah. just reckless abandon and you just want to go in there and just fight the first big thing you see climbing around the side of a mountain, man, good luck. 
And uh, I know, like, you know, we had with uh, we had a cool custom character sheet with uh, Howling Crater. W- was there a, a custom character sheet for this one as well? No, there, there's there's not. Uh, and there's a reason gotcha. for that. Um, the fellow who does those, again, Carl, Carl Sternberg, he's just so busy. Um, yeah. He doesn't – character sheets are not really the thing that he does uh, as, as, as a normal thing. He's not cranking them out all the time. Uh, it was just mm-hmm. uh, some special things that he did for the first two. Again, uh, with the stretch goals and with his time, I would love – I mean, and I'd love for him to make a, uh, a character sheet for uh, Skullcano Island. That, that would be wonderful. Um, I would just throw money at him. <laughs> um, but I just don't know if it's, you know, again, with his schedule and whatnot, if, that, if that'll if be a thing. Um, but hopefully, that, that would, it would be wonderful if, if, if we could convince him to do that. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, you know, if, mm-hmm. if you played um, Jungle Tomb of the Mummy Bride, that has a very similar, um, you know, it's in a jungle. There's, you know, all, all mm-hmm. kinds of, you know, crazy uh, crazy monsters running around. That has a similar vibe in, in, a, in a way. You could just very well as well use uh, that custom character sheet from, from that one. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll put this to, to, to video now or audio. Um, if anybody wants one of those, just DM me. Hit me up on you know Facebook or Instagram, and I'll, I'll send you over the file for free. Um, you know, There's no reason you shouldn't, you shouldn't enjoy them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and just because we've mentioned his work so often – uh, in, in this episode, I just want to uh, let everyone know um, if if you are interested in seeing some of uh, some of Carl's uh, work uh, just on social media, uh, he has a great handle on on Instagram and Twitter, and that is of course uh, Skull Fungus at Skull Fungus. Oh yeah, he's great, and that, that's another that's another feed on Instagram that you can just scroll through for hours mm-hmm. uh it's it's super cool i mean his his work is so dynamic and it really has that underground art scene feel to it i, I don't know how to describe it any other way he just nobody else draws like him nobody else makes maps like him he's just he's a one of a kind he's a real outlier in that way absolutely and so i i now have to take the conversation from one carl to another carl uh, because I just have to ask you, in, in your uh, travels and your, your time at conventions and stuff like that, have you ever run into a, uh, a figure by the name of Carl Kiesler? Carl Kiesler? I, I don't believe so. I, gotcha. If I did, I didn't, I, I didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. Gotcha. He, so he was on he was on the podcast uh, a few weeks back. He does a lot of graphic design work for uh, for Savage Worlds and uh, and Pinnacle Entertainment. He actually just worked on uh, on Deadlands, uh, the the most recent edition that that just got kickstarted. And he has his own company called uh, Doghouse Rules. But I feel like you and him would get along pretty well. Yeah. Uh, he he made a game. In Savage Worlds, called uh, Trailer Park Shark Attack, in I, I which love it already, <laughs> yeah, you, you're you're in a trailer park and basically Sharknado happens. Oh yeah, that's right up my alley. <laughs> mm-hmm. Carl Kiesler, you said? Yep, Carl Kiesler, and he he's on Instagram. Uh, you know, I can I can give you some details about that. Uh, you know where where you can follow him, but I bring him up because he is also kind of uh, notorious for his his character sheet designs, uh, and and you know like we we talked about when he was on the show, he did this whole Sin City game that I wish I could have been a part of uh, if only I'd been playing Savage Worlds and going to conventions back then. 
but he he's very uh very well known for you know making custom character sheets and like crazy physical things that he gives to people uh during his games i think one time yeah yeah he showed it to me one time he made like eight tracks for a game that he was doing that was set in the 70s oh my god that's incredible <laughs> yeah he does all kinds of crazy stuff Shane said that when he did uh, his Star Wars game, he made, like, the blister packs from the, uh, the uh, Kenner toys for character uh, sheets. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I need to reach out and, and meet Carl, <laughs> Carl Kiesler. He sounds like he's Absolutely. right up my alley. Yeah, Carl. Yeah, definitely give, give, give me his, uh, his, all, all his info after the, after the show for sure. Yeah, when Carl and I spoke, I I literally asked him on the air if he was my id made manifest. <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah, but I feel I feel like you guys would be kindred spirits, so I just had to just had to ask if uh, if you encountered him in in your travels. Well, I'm um, getting out to more. Well, the idea was before all this craziness hit was to get out to more conventions this year. Um, I've gone to. Mm-hmm several locally um before things shut down but um you know north texas rpg is still in the books they mm-hmm. you know they're uh they they're they're, they're still going to do their con um and i say that as of you know t- you know the t- today's date but um mm-hmm. you know they're 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 on the hook for that uh for that con so it's it's whatever in whatever form it goes down in um I, you know i'll, I'll be there <laughs> mm-hmm from California to Texas for five days. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But if anybody that's listening to this, you know, ends up at North Texas, uh, RPG con this year for sure. Come by and give me a high five. And, um, I might have some, some free stuff for you. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's been a big kind of casualty of this year, at least, uh, for, you know, for my personal schedule, I, I would love to make it to North Texas. I I've wanted to, but it, I don't think this is going to be my year for it. No, unfortunately. I and look, the the, the con will mm-hmm. be a shadow of its normal self. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, because uh, you know a lot a lot of the folks that go to that they're they're from the old guard. You know, they're the older mm-hmm. um, guard of, of 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 Dungeons and Dragons and RPGs in, in general. You know, the uh, the folks who were at TSR at the beginning and who you know have have you know they're the the custodians of the of, of the early days of the game. I mean, you know, these some of the guys that show up at that convention, they're legends. I mean, Errol Otis was there last year. You got Tim Task. You know, you got all these fantastic, you know, Jeff Easley, Larry Elmore. I mean, the, it was packed with, with talent, you know. And then you got new guys. I, I say new guys. But just, you know, a, a younger generation of, of artists and creators like, uh, you know, Doug Kovacs and, um, you know, folks like that. Uh, and all of them are just super, super approachable. Um it's just a real shame that um, the con season has just been decimated like this, and, and North Texas especially because it's such a special yeah. con. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- I mean, this was going to be my year. This was going to be my year to get out to these conventions, meet some of you guys who've been on the show, but they just keep dropping like flies. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. And I'm, I'm just ho- like there's there's one that I've kind of set my sights on for September. And I'm afraid to say it out loud. And in fact, I'm not going to say which one it is out loud, just so this doesn't, you know, end up sinking my battleship here again. But you know, there's one in September that I'm scoping out that I'm really hoping I get to. Um, but I, you know, like North Texas, I was going to go to North Texas this year, 
And then, you know, just, you know, Skeeter saying, you know, he's not going to be there and right. a, a bunch of people are, are moving their games to online. And I'm like, man, I can play online games at home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a real casualty of, of, of the hobby, man. It's a, it's super unfortunate. But one of the things that this uh, that this has done is it's kind of, you know, it, it's brought a new uh, an older generation of gamers are starting to get online and run virtual games. Um hmm. And that's a good thing because, you know, it gives a chance for a younger set of gamers who would never have had a chance to play a game with, um, you know, with some of these these legends. You know, and now they're, you know, they're, not only are they running them for like, uh, you know, this, you know, Frog God Games Day or, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Cyclops Con or any of those, you know, online on, online things that are happening. Um they're running their own, you know, they're running games on Discord now. I mean, it's 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 some, there's something cool about seeing a sixty-five year old legend of the hobby, you know, running games on Discord. That's <laughs> that's pretty cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and as much as I really don't like virtual gaming and and have very much had to learn to live with it over these past few months, I will say there is a phenomenon of gaming. Uh, you know, going all the way back to the the very early days of the the guy who will pick up the books, read them, but just not have anyone to play with. In this new world of the internet, that guy finally has someone to play with, and I I really do. As much as I don't like virtual gaming, I really do have to, you know, hand it to to all those. Uh, increases in technology that we've had that have enabled this you know discord roll 20 all that you know finally the the people who read the books and you know know the rules inside and out they've got a chance to play even if they don't know anyone who plays and so even with my aversion to virtual gaming i do have to give it up for that yeah, it's just something cool about 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 seeing. I mean, again, I'm not the I'm, I'm not the a big champion of it either. I don't have that much experience mm-hmm. with it, but something cool about seeing um, all these folks coming together online and, and and playing these games and you know making new friendships and you know it's it's what that's what it's what that is what is at the heart of the hobby to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. sitting around a table, you know, throwing dice to your friends, fighting monsters, looting treasure, you know, having a good time. Um, except there's no table now. Everybody's just looking at each other on a screen. You know, if that's the way we have to go for the the short term, then you know, that's the concession we need to make. You know, I get it. Yep, and it, it just it, it better be the short term. That's all I'm gonna <laughs> say. <laughs> no, I, I listen. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, I want to. I want to get I back to, uh, to to playing with my with my local game group as well. I can't do this forever. I'm losing my mind here. <laughs> We talked about this kind of before on the show, but you know, for those of you who don't know, my job is uh, pretty much entirely based around video conferencing and and you know talking to people via you know different different video conferencing solutions. And so, you know, now, now that all of my forms of social interaction have moved to video conferencing, everything in my life just feels like a continuation of my job. So that that's my aversion to virtual gaming. For those of you uh, virtual gaming diehards out there, that's why I don't <laughs> like it. And you know, what, one thing that I am excited about is uh, you know, w- with North Texas, you know, being 
focused on kind of those old school, I, I think it's pre-1991 RPGs that they focus on mostly. I was afraid this year that I didn't have kind of the experience with uh, any of those older game systems, but uh, come 2021, I will have experience with some older game systems. And I think, uh, you know, with, in in 2021, if you know they're still going to do a, a North Texas RPG Con 2021, I'm going to sign up to run a James Bond role playing game session there. Oh, very cool, man! But listen, they, you know that this is a great thing about North Texas, and you know a lot of cons in general, but especially North Texas is that you can find all kinds. Of, it's sure there's a focus on on those older. Those older games, there's a lot of uh, mm. you know BX and Beckme and uh, first edition and stuff like that running around, uh, and mm. older games that you don't, that you don't see in print anymore. But there is a very very healthy dose of uh, of modern gaming going on. Well, you know Call of Cthulhu, Five E, um, uh, uh, DCC, MCC. You've got a lot of games that get play tested there, um, so you can get mm. on, on on play testing groups. It, it is a fun environment. And you can pack out your schedule off of a virtual tabletop um, or tabletop events or whatever it's called. You, you can pack that out, and it, it might be a busy schedule, man, but you're going to meet so many cool people. You're going to run into so many cool names and faces, sit mm-hmm. on some really great seminars. I, I I know I sound like I'm some sort of pitch man for, for North Texas, but I'm really not. I just It's just mm-hmm. my favorite convention. It's, it's a cool, great convention, such a cool vibe. Um, and nobody's a jerk. That's the that's the, the wonderful thing. Sometimes you meet your heroes, and man, they they just don't hold up. Not true with North with North Texas. Uh, you meet these guys, and everybody is just. I mean, they're just as cool as can be. Hmm. Yeah, and I I really need a network because uh, because I've been trying to get Jim Ward on the show for a long time, and uh... oh, he's a gem of a human being, man. I'll tell you what, really really nice guy. Absolutely. Well, let's see. Let me check time here real quick. Um, but yeah, having you know, you guys and then the you and then the the Frog God uh, people coming on the show all the time. All I hear is North Texas and then Game Hole Con. So at some point, I'm gonna have to end up going to both. Yeah, Game Hole Con. That's that that that's the other one that's on my uh, my schedule for this year. So. We'll see what the world looks like in October, but um, you know, as as it stands, you know, I'm 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 re- I'm ready to go. <laughs> that'll be that'll be one that I'm going. That'll be my first time there. So, but I've heard nothing but good things about that. Um, everybody that I've talked to says, "Hey, this thing runs like clockwork. It is just, I mean, that it's one of the best cons, if not the best con, as far as the way things go, uh, the way things are set up, and how, just just how everything operates. That it's just flawless." So I'm really, really excited to get off to that one. Plus, you know, any chance to get over to to, to Madison, uh, Wisconsin, which is one of my my favorite cities in the U.S., I'm I'm down. <laughs> Absolutely, gotcha. Well, as we're kind of you know running up against our time here, Levi, um, basically anything that you've got uh, to promote coming up. Obviously, you you still have the the campaign here with. Uh, I think we're up to, was it 14 days to go in this thing? Yep, 14 days to go as we're recording this. Um, anything you've got to promote, uh, go ahead, do it. The, the <laughs> mic is yours. Well, I, would, I don't know about so much uh, as there is to, to promote. There's some stuff that I have coming up. Um, uh, issue number two of the phylactery is going to drop here in the fall. And then shortly after that, there is a um, another module. 
Um, it's called Glimmering Crypt of the Ayun King. Um, and it's a much shorter module than the, the other three, the, the, the previous three. Um, much lower price point as well. So um, so that's coming up. And then for Zion Quest next year, of course, Phylactery 3. Um, and then I have a trio of modules um, that, that are kind of coming down the pike. I'm looking at actually um, releasing a free module. Um, if not towards the end of the year, around Christmas, then probably the beginning of next year. And um, it's a Weird West module called mm-hmm. the, uh, the the Town That Dreaded Cream Filling. Now, again, that's a crazy title, really weird. Yeah. sounds kind of silly. Um, <laughs> but it's, again, very rooted in that Weird West, um, in that Weird West uh, genre, that, that vibe, that aesthetic. Um, and mm-hmm. if you've ever seen a movie like The Stuff, or you've ever seen uh, any of those uh, Saturday morning um, uh, schlocky B horror movies? It's got a lot in common with those. In addition to being, a, you know, a, a, a Deadlands, Aces and A Boot Hill sort of western. You know, um, the premise being, hey, you know, uh, you've got Twinkie the kid, and what happens when you know his expiration date is up? You know, he's <laughs> he he goes bad. You know, so. <laughs> And again, free adventure, so take it for what it is. But uh, it's it's a super fun uh, uh, thing that's, that's that's developing. It's it's coming along pretty good. So I hope to release that for free uh, coming up. Absolutely, gotcha. Yeah that 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 sounds amazing. I'm in already. <laughs> and again, it's free, so you know you know, mm-hmm. you, know if you, you can like it or you can, you can hate it, whatever. But uh, it's a it's it's an interesting premise for sure. Mm-hmm. Got to do something with all these cowboy minis that I've been painting that no one seems to appreciate. <laughs> I there there is a noticeable difference between the amount of likes I get when I post something fantasy and when I post one of my western minis, and it's it's this weird inverse of what I think it will be because I think I do a way better job on the western ones than I do on even like the the Nolzers ones that I do because those are really kind of hard to paint. Uh, but people were just like, D&D, yeah, and then they upvote, and then I'm just like, here's my take on Curly Bill Brocious from Tombstone, and people are like, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that's a genre that I actually don't get to play as much as I um, would like. Now, back, mm-hmm. you know, way back in the day, I played Boot Hill quite a bit, and then uh, when Kenzer and Company released uh, Aces and Eights, um, I was all over that. It was, that was a, a that's a great system, and of course Deadlands. But it was one of those deals where I could never find enough people to play. So I'd have a one-off game here, or I'd um, I'd, I'd, I'd you know run a game at a um, you know at a, at a uh, bookstore or something on the weekends, and mm-hmm. you know I just was never able to play it. So I, you know I, yeah. I'd really like to get you know I I really like to play that genre myself. It, it appeals to me quite a bit. You know um, I'm a fan of um, Carnival and uh, all those kind of weird West movies um, that have uh, kind of trickled in over the years, Bone Tomahawk and uh, The Missing and you know all those uh, those really cool uh, weird Western movies. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge Western fan. Uh, I just wish more people were, uh, so then I might actually be able to pull off a Deadlands campaign. <laughs> well, there you go. It's it's one of those things. Uh, anytime. I feel like a lot of people run into this, but anytime you're like, hey, let's do a Western game, initially everyone's all in. Everyone's like, oh, this is going to be fun. 
And then you get to the table and, you know, people then realize, oh, wait, this is a Western game. And I only have like a vague idea of what that means. And then it just all kind of falls <laughs> apart by the end. <laughs> yeah. No, those, uh, that, that's the one genre I wish that I, that, that I played more of. Um, Call of Cthulhu being the, the game that I, I wish I had more time for. But the, John, the one genre that I wish I could play more of, <clears throat> Weird West, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Time to combine those two. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, Levi, it's it's great talking to you as always. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, everyone, go out there and back uh, Escape from Skullcano Island if you haven't done so already. It looks like it's going to be a ton of fun, and I'm looking forward to uh, to reading that adventure and and you know seeing if I can uh, Shanghai some people into playing it with me. Bring extra character sheets. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. Uh, next week, we are finally going to have that uh, that interview with my first DM, uh, that being Muhammad. He's going to come on the show. Uh, you know, we're we're going to talk about some of those early days, and and you'll get to hear some of the stories of my first sessions playing RPGs and my first sessions as a DM. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to go over some stories that I've already talked over with, uh, you know, the the other members of the gaming group. But we're going to get going to get Muhammad's take on them, which is is great because he was heavily involved in all of them. So until next time, whether you rolled a one or a 20, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>